Hi guys, welcome to the. Oh, sorry, boys. Someone has some background noise. <laughs> it's Kojo. It's you. I need you to mute. Oh, no, 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 no. I just got it off my top. Okay, ready? Oh, All right. I, I, no, the only reason I stopped was because I had Kojo's boof in the background. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, can, I, 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 I had to mute myself. Okay, we're going we're gonna to do it. Gonna... Uh, I, to be honest, I can just run straight into my pod to be honest, from the start of it. I was just disrupted by a doof. So if there's no more doofs, I'm good. There's no more doofs. I'm muting myself. Okay, sweet. Hi guys, welcome to the first episode of the Saturday Night Waffle. Uh, we have four of my co-hosts today. We have myself, we have Kai, Kojo and Addy. So first question for everyone. Is taking a knee during football matches really making a difference? Kojo? Yes. And uh, would you like to expand? Yes. <laughs> Living, um, I would definitely say that taking a knee does have some impact in creating major awareness to the issues that is occurring, the racial, the racial issues that's occurring in football and sports specifically, and not just when we're talking about sports specifically, just going on in the world. Period. Guan Chief. Okay, okay. Do you have a counterpoint or an agreement? I would agree with Kojo, but I think just in the fact of when it's everything's back to normal, my question is, will we still be taking the knee? Will footballers still be taking the knee when everything goes back to normal? So when loads of fans are coming back, I don't I think... Would ho- no, continue, sorry. But I would hope that they do. They, they do, but They just I- give up after... Let's like, say two, three years down the line, are we gonna? Is there still being footballers gonna take the knee? Because yeah, it's all great. I can't well. say. Yeah, I can't say. I don't know what they'll be doing at that point. Addy, Addy, talk, chief. Yeah. Um. So the one issue I've heard, because I've been looking around the issue, and like the issue that was raised about the NFL was that the NFL is privately owned. Yeah. So it's the company's policy to allow. Like if they allow you to take the knee or whatever, that the company is allowed to dictate because it's a private company. Uh-huh. I don't. Is the is the Premier League owned by anyone? Like, is it privately owned or is it? I don't know. Because that would determine, I guess, whether they continue to be allowed to do so. Because I know that for other things like political messages in general, they're not allowed to make them as like in celebrations and stuff. You get yellow carded. Like I know that when players lift their shirt up and reveal messages. They often get yellow carded and stuff. So I guess it depends well, on... If I feel like the thing is, players have their own opinions too. Players are people. I feel like regardless of whether an organisation wow, organization is telling them to do it or not, I feel like people will still do it because they want to fight the better cause. Yeah, but doesn't that then leave them liable to the the kind of effects or the repercussions from their employee like like if you work you work at mcdonald's and you decide to take a knee yeah you are then liable to the the repercussions of doing whatever you're doing but people will still do it because i mean that's the reason why colin kaepernick started doing it in the first place he didn't care about everyone saying oh you shouldn't be doing this he still did it anyway because you want to get your point across you have to make sacrifices that's true yeah 
Sorry, guys. Can we go back and Kojo? Can you spell organization for me, please? Allow it, man. That was a it was a mishap, man. Rico. <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, I was just going to say that the the Premier League is uh, co-owned by all twenty clubs who are in the area or who are in the Premier League. Yeah. So actually, it's probably the club's incentive to be following this image, which is maybe one of the reasons why. And I'll, I'll hold it as a question: Is that do you think that um, when fans are looking at their players taking a knee, do they think it's just a plutonic gesture? just so that they, there's no repercussions for not doing it? Or do you think they genuinely believe that actually this is a major standing point and they should be standing like this? I guess we don't really know anyone's intentions. All we can do is assume that they have the best intentions. But at the end of the day, you withhold the right to be sceptical as well. I mean, money talks, we know that. So if you're sceptical, you have good reason. If you if you believe it's actually from the goodness of their heart, you also have your reasons too. Okay, Kai. I uh, see. My point is, I feel like we're talking about the Premier League. Is it going to happen? All still going to happen all over the world? Because there's no point in just one league doing it. Why can't all the leagues do it? I think it'll be quite question, difficult. Question. Sorry if I'm interrupting, but mm. is this happening in all big sports? Because the only sports I can personally think of that are doing this are American football, basketball, um, football, and I don't know anything else. Probably tennis, maybe. I don't think you can take a knee on tennis, though, can you? Well, tennis had quite a famous incident. So the the women's world number one, uh, when she was coming out to wearing a face mark to tournaments, on her face mark, she had the name of... uh, Coloured people in America who'd been uh, yeah, what's her shot, name? Like, Osaka. What's her name? Yeah, Naomi Osaka. Yeah, um, and she made she made the first kind of big waves in tennis about on her face mask having these names written, and I think that in the tennis kind of uh, society made people stand up and realise that there was a there's a bigger problem here, and there's a reason that she's making this statement. But I think your point's very valid that actually in uh, I don't know in many other sports that actually there are kind of a, a unified gesture, which is why maybe the, the Premier League and the NFL, that, um, and kind of linking on to the next question of, is it actually working? That I think it, it is slowly working because I think there's, uh, from what I've just seen on social media, is that there there is still is racist abuse on social media, but it's being shut down a lot quicker than I think it has previously. And I think the one thing I've noticed is seeing that other fans telling off fellow fans that that this is unacceptable about what they're saying. So maybe in a unified sport, it's having a bigger impact. But back to Kojo's question is that I don't think it's happening in a huge number of sports. I think it's only NFL, basketball and football where they're doing a whole collaborative. Everyone's joining in. So my question to the people is that uh, at what point do you think it is it going to make a difference kind of in the future? Uh, Adi? I think we have seen it already make a difference then. I mean, if people are actually being proactive in preventing racist remarks and abuse towards players from their own fans and not taking it within their own ranks, then I think it is proof and testament to the fact that it's working. It's clearly making moves. I think in regards to sports in general, I think we notice it more because football, like association football, American football, basketball, they are the biggest sports or the most viewed sports on the planet. I I guess cricket 
slides in somewhere on that list as well. But yeah, I mean, we have seen big movements across most like major sports in terms of addressing racism, whether, again, we go back to the issue of whether it's genuine or just commercially driven is irrelevant, but we have seen movement going forward. Okay, Kai? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a question for Adi, because Adi, I know you watch a lot of rugby. Do they do anything like about Black Lives Matter in rugby or not really, like before the game? I personally haven't seen much, but I do know that they're taking steps in other regards. They've opened up, like, like to search and scout in BAME communities. They've noticed that not many people from these communities play rugby, either league or union. So they've kind of extended their grassroots, grassroots system to pick up people like that. And I think we have seen more people from BAME backgrounds take up rugby and play on the England team and play on other teams as well. So, I mean, we're, we're, everyone, I think, is taking a step forward due to these conversations. And I think, yeah, I do think that American football and taking the knee and stuff kind of helped everything snowball into the phenomenon we're seeing today. I just wanted to put out a quick point um, regarding Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling. Because I'm just thinking in the sense of the media themselves puts out discriminatory remarks against them and other black football players I'm assuming and I'm just thinking in that sense is change really being made if even within the media itself there is racism being caused that's a fair that's a fair point Kai um I agree with you Kojo but I think the media has always been quite racist towards black people I think especially the Daily Mail I think Sterling has taken a lot of abuse about him wearing tracksuits, him in a Ford Fiesta, I believe. I can't remember what car it is. I think Rashford had made, has made a positive impact. I think for that to change, that's the media to change. I think it's just a different unrelated point. It's quite hard for that to change. OK, Eddie? Um, I was going to say that, yeah, uh, the press is quite aggressive about Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling and um, black players and when they make movements like Marcus Rashford is doing the whole kind of school children campaign but inevitably we found that they always fight from a lower ground they lose the argument every time they just look bad so it almost that's true yeah. harms their credentials to keep arguing this point so if they want to do that that's fine they're losing the battle by doing so because everyone is on the side of Marcus, Ra- Marcus Rashford when it comes to the school meals thing. So trying to denigrate his position isn't doing them any favours. So let them do what they're doing, I think. I hear that, yeah. But if the media is portraying this, surely there are some people seeing this and agreeing. But no, that's just the media's writers. I think the unifying of social media, if so- social media never existed. Yeah, yeah, but that's like the social media we see. Yeah, but think about it, the social media we see the whole Marcus Rashford situation, I'm pretty sure the vote wouldn't have been overturned if social media didn't, didn't unify and actually make a sound. Because okay. a yeah. lot of the PMs voted against it. And you saw the meals when they came out. They were jokes. That was shocking. That was shocking. They were jokes. Like five, a 50p shot from Audi. It's a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. Somewhere. I think regarding the social media and the news thing, I think everyone will eventually... The way social media news is set up is it becomes an echo chamber. You eventually only hear what you want to hear unless you make an effort to introduce new avenues of news and 
media into your sphere like you're only going to see news you agree with if that's all you look for the internet's like the way search engines and social media set up is very clever in that way you'll only see what you want to see I think maybe we're going a little bit off topic towards social media, but I think it's a good developing topic. But are we at the moment? I think there is um, for me, for me personally, um, there's a library app that has a bunch of different newspapers that you can get for free. And I think each newspaper gives you a slightly different view on the news. So I disagree a bit in the statement that you that you think you're only getting one uh, kind of medium of news because actually it's possible for people to get lots of different um, areas of news out of it because if you just read three or four different newspapers there's always a different kind of view of the newspaper so I think you might be right that people decide they're only going to they like one newspaper and that's all they're going to read to but if people do want to be more educated in certain areas then I think there's lots of opportunity for that to happen um I th- sorry is any sorry Adi was your hand up yeah it was i was just going to say that yeah but you've made the effort conscientiously to go out of your way to find opposing points of view most people won't most people will just confirm their bias most of the time you'll find things that you like to hear there are certain opinions that are quite bitter for people to swallow and information that will alter their opinion that they just refuse to read because they know it will alter their opinion and they continue to press their confirmation bias it's also why Going back to your first point, a lot of people are kind of divided over taking the knee or progression because they read they'll read these provocative pieces about how I don't know this person is taking your job or your or your I don't know your houses or whatever and it'll confirm their bias over and over again like oh, oh this person just came to collect benefits and this and that and they'll just tell you one side of the story but if that's all you you read it becomes all you want to read because anything else will tell you different. And then you have to question your own views. And that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, no, no, I think um, that's, that's true. Actually, that does involve people having to go out their own way. So then as a follow up question to, to everyone is, do you believe that social media has too much of an impact um, on sort of telling a side of the story? And of course, the, the, if you even have a yes or a no answer, can you explain what you think they could do slightly differently to make it fairer, a fairer system? Uh, yep, yeah, Kai? I think with social media, there's always two sides of the story. I think people are like happy to jump on the bandwagon with the social media when they hear something about um, a potential rapper or footballer doing something. So, for example... Um, social media think it's disgusting what Kyle Walker doing um, having all these sex parties but the media haven't really brought it up as much just because um, obviously Kyle Walker's not black so it's quite difficult I would say um, but there's always two sides of the story I'd say okay, He's mixed race so. isn't he? Isn't he mixed race? Sorry I think he is I don't actually know I'll be very honest, I actually don't even know who we're referring to. Uh, Carl, Carl Walker is an English footballer who plays for Manchester City. And he and I think Kai's right that he's... Um, so, for example, just looking at his social media, you can see that he's really good friends with Raheem Sterling. And actually, I think they do a lot of things together, but definitely Raheem Sterling takes much more of the heat than Carl Walker does. So, actually, I think Kai's point comes in quite fairly. But back to Kai, what, what could social media do to make it a fairer representation of the news 
Oh, um, he is, um, he's part Jamaican, so my bad, Carl Walker, if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, to make it fairer, I just think we all have to look at the point of views of everyone's perspective. I think we can't jump, jump to conclusions. That's how I see it. I think I would agree, we have to look at it. We have to look at it. We can't say... You've got to take in everyone's point of view because I feel like an issue with social media, like specifically like thinking about Instagram, you're tuned in to the things you kind of want to see on Instagram. So and when you kind of see the stuff that you don't really want to see, you tune out, you just log off. You don't you don't really pay attention to stuff you don't want to see. So it's kind of hard in that aspect there. OK, so it's, diff- it's difficult to. So I understand. So I think if maybe if you have too much of a neutral um, kind of social media outlet, then people aren't interested in you because maybe you're not as exciting as some of the more scandalous stories. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I did. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to feed into that same point. I think that, yeah, a lot of people just want to hear what they want to hear. And especially like also politically as well, you'll only hear good things. Like if you want to vote for a candidate and like, for example, Jeremy Corbyn in the last election, it was a lot of like a lot of social media decided to nominate him as their candidate of choice and there's nothing wrong with that like but i think at the same time a lot of people just kind of without knowing his policies were going to vote for him and i i i i don't think that's the way to run just you shouldn't vote for someone just because they're from the opposing party that just becomes tribalism you lose the point of democracy at that point if you're just going to vote like it's it's not a football club you can't just choose to support them for the rest of your life i think you should actually look at your candidates policies and stuff before you decide to vote and i think it goes both ways i think also a lot of people on the conservative side were just voting purely because they voted conservative for 25 years and that's not that's not a reason to vote i think you should vote for a candidate you believe in but if you're just confirmed, you just confirm your own bias over and over again. Like, oh, this person's a communist. Oh, this person is a capitalist. Then you just you don't make any progress. You don't grow as a person because you're just feeding on your own information over and over again. OK, but I have a quick before we just get to Carl on this point. Um, Adi, when when was the first time you voted um, for like a, a in a general election? Um, the election 2017. I believe that was a general election at the time. OK. And. Did you uh, did you vote the same as your parents? No. Okay. Sugar, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Kajo, can we keep all strong language out of this pod, please? Sorry. sorry. Um, so, and what was the reason uh, behind it? Because I I read quite an interesting uh, a stat was that actually there's a, almost 50% of people vote the same as their parents, and they don't read around the subject. They just assume okay. For someone they look up to, most people look up to their parents. They're kind of like, okay, we're going to follow that trend. So, what was it about you that made you think actually I'm going to look, I'm going to get the facts in first and look somewhere else? I think it's because there was such a big like, it was made out to be such a big thing, like your first time voting, your first time actively participating in democracy, essentially. So, I made a point to read up on the policies of the candidates and stuff like that. I think that's a big thing people don't do. They'll just vote for parties just because they think this party is good and this party is bad. And I didn't think that was the right way to do it personally. So I was like, I'm not going to vote for someone just because I've been told to vote for this person or that person. Even if I vote for someone who's not going to get any votes or like not going to win, I voted for who I thought I wanted to vote for. And I think that's what people should do. 
probably even out the score across the board a bit more. Okay. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? If you have any young listeners on the pod, feel free to come in and give us your opinion on it. Um, yeah, sorry, Koju. We'll go to Kai first, then we'll pop to you. I say lessons. Oh, no, I was going to bring it back to um, the whole situation of teammates supporting each other. I don't think there's enough. I think you can look at the Moise Keane and Benucci um, thing where when Moise Keane was getting racially abused by Italian fans, he said it was 50-50. It, it was 50% his blame and 50% the fans' blame. I think players need to unite and understand once if there's racial abuse in a stadium, they should just walk off and abandon the game, like in the PSG and Pacheco game. But yeah. Thanks. Okay, that's a that's a really good point. And do you think that when footballers say it's a 50-50 um, like kind of blame culture, and I agree with you, Kai, that I think actually it can't be a 50-50, the 50-50 is definitely not the right way to put it, but do you think there has to be some level to placate the fans because you don't want to, because some football clubs may not be brave enough to blame 100% on their fans that actually this is their fault? I think because of how loud a stadium is, you never know which fans it is. And obviously there's ultras who are going to be racially abused. And I think they do need to start an ID system where people give their IDs in, they get ID'd and then they get banned for, from football matches because the more the more they come to the matches, the more they're not going to learn. That's how I say it. Okay, that's very, very interesting. Um, sorry, Kojo, you had a follow-up question? I was legit just going to ask, who did you vote for? Is this, sorry, who, is this the same oh, towards I, Eddie, sir? Eddie, yeah. Who did you vote for? It's a bit of a touchy question, isn't it? Oh, okay. My bad. Sorry, Chief. Um, Kojo, you're not, you're not supposed to ask people who they vote for. That is a very derogatory question, Colin, bro. You should know this by now. <laughs> well, okay. So, sorry. I just wanted to know. So, Kojo is the newest of our co-hosts. We'll uh, train him for the next one. Sorry, guys. Wow, you guys is uh, mean, bro. No, you know you personally. You know who I probably voted for. So I'll just leave it there. <laughs> okay, so um, moving moving on to the next topic. So kind of following on to what we've been discussing kind of during the pod is that the the knee, um, sorry, taking a taking a knee kind of started majority of the time during around the COVID time, and actually it made us think about sports and COVID. And uh, the next few questions we have are on, on your opinions on COVID and sports. So do you think that certain sports will die out due to a lack of fans uh, during this COVID time? Since for almost a whole year now, we've had sport mostly off and sometimes on. And do you think that people are losing interest in some sports and that some of the smaller sports are going to be struggling as the new season uh, kind of comes around? Uh, yep, Addy. Um, I'd like to push this question back to you first, because obviously being a sports scholar and stuff and playing a sport that is more niche than the, the usual, do you feel like it's affected your love for the sport or do you think it's affected the love for badminton as a whole or the support for badminton? Um, <laughs> I think, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, actually, I, I think that the sport, niche sports like badminton and tennis that are not that well known or are currently growing, I think definitely have suffered during during the lockdown because part, partially because the um, the government I think having too harsher rules on these types of sports. I think if you're letting sports like football continue, um, and I think if you look at the data, it showed that actually there there is a benefit of um, playing a sport outdoors, for example. But I don't think it 
it really factored in the fact that you know you can air out halls and you could do these types of things and I think it was easy for the government to have a blanket system of no indoor sports at all but then I think a lot of sports will suffer and I think badminton will be one of those and I think other ones like netball or maybe like indoor hockey and stuff like that that these kind of sports are having a year out of competition for a lot of people is difficult and I think especially with people who uh, were using it a lot as a as a means to meet their friends and to be part of society and I think if you're not if you're not getting that uh that social connection through the sport anymore it means that you've had to look somewhere else to find it right and I think that's why you know mental health has been a huge thing over the last 12 months because people often have assumed that they do a sport for the social aspect of it so I think sports like badminton and the to kind of tennis might survive but I think badminton is particular and the indoor sports will struggle because lots of people would have found other things to do they would have found outdoor events over the last year that means they can still kind of socialize so they'll do to take up your footballs they'll take up your netballs they'll take up these sports that are predominantly more popular and are going to continue um i think my only query which i'm kind of interested to see forward is how many people continue those kind of sports once we're back to normal once badminton's able to play again that will they remember that sport that they first kind of fell in love with and decided actually that's the sport i want to play um i don't know if you boys have anything to add on to it um kai Um, I was going to say, I think it depends on the coverage of the sport, to be fair, because if it's a big coverage like football, NBA, NFL, I don't think most people are going to stop watching it because it's still live on like Sky and BT Sport and ESPN. So they're getting the big coverages. I think like sports like darts, golf, Formula One, because they're not being shown as much because of the COVID, they might die down. And I think also, for example, for me, during the lockdown, I picked up watching basketball and I quite enjoyed watching the games even though you have to stay up quite late to watch them it's quite a fast-paced game and I feel like for example if Kojo maybe sat there and watched a football game once he'll be like oh yeah this game's quite cool but I think he's only watched one I think he only watched the Man City beat Chelsea 6-0 game (laughs) Um, okay Uh, Kojo I was gonna say um, I personally actually think if someone loves a sport enough even if they don't have the opportunity to play it as much or watch it as much currently, I feel personally, no matter what, once the opportunity presents itself to go back to the sport, they will because that love for the sport is still there. Even if they weren't able to play it or watch it for a year, it's still something they love and they're going to go back to. So that's that's all I'm saying. Okay, that's quite it. And just a quick counterpoint to that is that do you not think that if, uh, if, let's say I'm a social badminton player, uh, badminton stops and I've taken up running, and actually now um, I've improved my times and I'm really invested in running, that don't you think people like that? And I'm sure that some of the audience would have been like that, that they've taken up running because that's the only thing you probably could do during this this period, is that won't they have made more friends and rebuilt social connections through that way? And won't they just, what's stopping them? Why would they go back to a sport that they you know had a year out of when they're, really content where they are at the moment i personally just think because if you have enough love for it you'll probably still go back to it you probably still try play the sport again because i'm just personally thinking myself if even if i wasn't like even if i wasn't able to play basketball which i wasn't at the time i started cycling a lot more but that didn't stop me from going back to basketball because i love basketball so much that no matter how long I'm away from it, I know I'd personally come back to it. 
Okay, okay, that's quite interesting. And was that, but that could that be because you had access to like some sort of basketball courts? Um, so at least you could have some connection to the game. But for a lot of people, they've had zero connection to their sport because it's just impractical to try and like do it at home or something like that. I understand that, but I think for me, probably because I have, I even play like I even dribble my basketball in my own room. So even if I wasn't able to play, I'd still be doing it in some shape or form, like playing, even if that's playing 2K, I would still have basketball in some shape or form. So thinking about others in that sense, I could see why it'd be a lot harder for them and they might just be content with whatever new sport or they've picked up. But I still kind of feel like they would go back to it if they could, potentially. Okay, oh, thank you. Um, sorry, Adi, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, it also depends how practical it is to practice aspects of your sport. Like, obviously, Kojo could dribble his basketball in his room or go to the court by himself and, like, shoot three-pointers and stuff and practice. But I think different sports have different levels of accessibility to directly train things to do with that sport. Like, obviously, badminton, you can't play by yourself in your living room to any degree apart from, like, obviously, like, you're doing trick shots and all that stuff. But I think in terms of actually training, you kind of went out of your way to train other aspects of your game, like your endurance, like you went running, or maybe you worked out at home to work on your conditioning or other, like, on the like muscular endurance or whatever. And then maybe that took your fancy more. But it depends, yeah, on, on the sport you played. Like if you played golf or whatever, you clearly wouldn't have had any way to really practice. If you didn't have a garden, I don't think you'd really be practicing your swing in your living room. So I guess it really just depends on the sport. I guess Kojo was lucky in that regard that his sport had some level of accessibility. Not great, but better than others. Okay. And Kai, what do you are you in agreement of this conclusion that I can kind of gather from from what Kojo and, and Adi have said about that actually it's just down to the practicality of the sport? Yeah, I think I agree. I think obviously I have a love for football, but I can't really stand there and play football by myself in the Brighton courts by myself and kick it into a goal because it's no fun. Whereas I think with Kojo, you can just shoot shoot around the basketball. Obviously, it's more competitive, but with football, it's more fun when it's like, let's say, 5v5 or 11v11 because there's more people playing on the pitch or working more harder. Whereas when you're playing one-on-one in basketball, you're still being worked hard because you're playing against someone at a different level. But even with badminton, you can't really play by yourself. You can't be hitting a um, badminton croquette at the wall and be playing against yourself because that'd be, be weird. Yeah, okay. So I think actually we're, we're in, in agreement that, that actually maybe the sports that have less access have less practicality at training at home or have adapted less to training at home will be the ones that suffer the most. And I think that's, that's quite a, a very conclusion. Um, and I think it kind of links quite nicely to to one of the questions that has been on everybody's kind of minds is that when Boris closed, uh, put the country into lockdown, he shut down gyms and sports venues. So the ability to train was was limited. But if you guys had been in his situation and the COVID numbers had been had been increasing, but 
most of the data shows that you know gyms are actually a, a safe a safe place and lots of gyms went through loads of precautions and probably spent a lot of money trying to uh, to create an area that is covid safe would you have shut them and i know that the an easy answer is to kind of sit on the fence but i'd like a, a yes or no and maybe a reason why you personally think it makes a difference I think we'll start with Kojo. Wait, so is the question asking what, if I was Boris, what would I have done in that situation? Would I have kept gyms open or closed? Is yeah, that, so, so my, question, my question is that if, if you're not knowing what's happened now, if you're at that point where the numbers are high, but you've seen that some data suggests that gyms might not be a, a huge area for transmission, weighing up the pros and cons of keeping gyms open what would you have done being totally honest i probably would have closed them myself but in that situation i would have clearly taken the situation a lot differently because i would have said a whole lockdown but i don't think that's the the exact question you're asking but i think totally i would kind of say yeah i'd close them Okay, so and the re the reason behind closing it is just a safety issue that actually yeah. people's people's ability to train and mental health you don't really care about. I'm not. I'm, it's tough because I obviously do think that's a major factor of people's mental health is, is is a big thing. But I'm saying if I was in his situation, I would have dealt with things a lot differently, and I would have locked everything off being a lot stricter with rules on lockdown than how we took it. OK, let me let me just ask you another simple question. What is, in your opinion, more important, the mental health of people who weren't in ability to get to the gym or the physical health of people who were at risk of COVID? The physical health, man. OK. Even with us knowing now that suicide rates have gone up like, more than 50% during this kind of period. Jeez, Louise, this is a tough one. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just, it's just, a, know, a, no, it's just, a, it's just what, what your opinion, what your opinion is, is whether internal battle. In that moment, did you, would you have think so? In you've, you've said quite clearly that actually you would have shut the gyms because um, the, the, the risk to physical health is there. That people going to the gym, there is a chance of transmission. And I think I think there was very little consideration to pay towards people's mental health during this period. And I think maybe that's why the lockdown has been much harder this time than last time. But we'll go on to Kai and then you can just put your jump back in if you kind of come up with an answer. Kai? The thing is, I think when we spoke about it in our little group chat um, a few weeks ago, I think now I'm sort of agreeing with Koja. I think the point with Jim is to obviously help your mental health and stuff but it'll be good for people to sign up for the gym because it really helps them but the, the downside is people would probably take the piss the social side of it staying in the gym for about three four hours just to chill with chill with the man then and chat to people they're not really some people might just go with it and i think there'll be a massive controversy if gyms were to open because a lot of people just can't go to the gym and they'll be like oh why are pubs not open why are restaurants not open why are clubs open why are these amount? Why are fifteen people allowed to go um, to the gym, but I'm not allowed to go f um, out of um, all my friends to a pub? I think there's a lot of controversy in that sense. And in relation to the suicide thing and the mental health, some people don't really recognise how 
good exercise gives you that happy endorphin and they don't really take that advantage they go for other aspects of um to help them with their mental health so they look to either drugs or alcohol or something else of seeing friends i think it's quite difficult because everyone deals with it Every, everyone deals with it differently i'd say kojo i was just saying even overeating because i feel like that's a been that's probably been a big thing yeah definitely i think i, I can say when some people are depressed after a breakup some people just got eat like five tons of ice cream and deal deal with it in different ways i think you have to be motivated enough to go to the gym i think it's quite difficult to actually pull out an aspect of it yeah Okay. Um, I think. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, I was gonna say that it, along with the yeah, people would have just taken the mic really, where they would have just gone to hang out and stuff. And like Kai said, a lot of people deal with their mental health in loads of different ways. So I mean, people missed hanging out and I don't know, playing music together or going to restaurants or seeing their friends just going to people's houses. I think a lot of people were deprived of their sense of tranquility or their, their their kind of mental health medicine um i think i probably would have advocated at least for like a month while the gyms could come up with socially distant solutions because before before the lockdown even started gyms weren't really doing much to prevent the spread of the virus apart from maybe having hand sanitizer everywhere and stuff but until the government put regulations in none of them took the onus upon themselves to do things for the most part i, I my gym didn't there was hand sanitizer everywhere, but there wasn't a booking system in place and stuff like that. I think that we also need to look, I mean, we, we're talking about health being a problem and stuff, but 40% of the UK population is either overweight or obese. That wouldn't have changed significantly in three months. And by exposing them to an environment where they could have caught COVID and losing weight is a stressful pro- process, they might have caught COVID. We don't know. So, I mean, I think that with the data they had, they were right to lock down. I don't think it needed to be locked down as long as they did. For, um, but, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can all sit here and talk. But I feel, like, I feel like they messed up on a lot of things. I don't think that shutting the gyms was, at first, was one of them. Okay. So you, so you stick by the point that, that the people the public who were using the gyms would abuse the system and that the fear the fear of people abusing the system outweighed the positive impact the gym could have had on people. Yeah, because the lockdown wasn't to stop the deaths. I think everyone gets that mixed up. It was to stop the NHS getting overwhelmed. And it almost did multiple times. I mean, it almost happened over Christmas. We had people being sent out of hospitals and shipped from London to Newcastle. Um, we clearly reached our limit and we can go into topics about whether the NHS's funding has been cut and this and that. But the truth of the matter is the NHS would have got overwhelmed if we had more people going in for COVID, especially since the main comorbidities for COVID were obesity, vitamin D deficiency, high blood pressure and breathing difficulties, all of which are rampant in this like in this country. Almost everyone is vitamin D deficient. Almost every like for nearly half the population is overweight or obese. So we would have had deaths left, right and centre. Okay, and a, a question for all, all three guys is that, um, I haven't, I haven't. sorry, I didn't catch Kai's take on whether he believes people would abuse the system, but 
are we sure that people wouldn't abuse the system because people are now people are currently still abusing the system because the people that they would normally go to the gym with they're now going to meet outside and do workouts which i think is is fair and is a bit safer but they're still going to meet in large groups or they're still going to go around people's houses and just work out in much smaller rooms in the gym so aren't people already abusing the rules anyway so really is there much of a benefit to it uh, kai I was probably going to add on to, I think it's the government's perspective as well. I feel like they haven't, they don't really promote like exercise of being good for the mental health. I think Joe Wick did a really good job in the whole get fit with people and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm pretty sure most people don't work out to Joe Wick anymore. That's the sad reality of it. Um, and in relation to people working out in smaller areas and stuff like that, I think it's up to them. I just, you can't really control that. And I think with gyms, they give you all these like cleaning equipment and stuff like that. But even at Falmer gym, I have to admit, some people don't even wipe their stations afterwards and you're not like having to clean it properly for them. Okay. Um, Addy? Um, I was going to say, yeah, we had people, um, we, we don't place an emphasis on physical health. I mean, people don't really know what they're doing when it comes to that a lot of the time, but I think, yeah, the people who are complaining about gyms being closed are definitely a vocal minority, which is why we hear so much about it. I think it's less of an issue to the general public than we are made out to believe. But I think that it should be, there should definitely be more of an emphasis. And I think COVID, controversial take, I think we got off lightly with COVID. I think the disease could have been a lot more aggressive. It wasn't. And it's a wake-up call to a lot of people that physical health is important because this targeted people with poorer health i think people need to take their health they need to be more accountable for their health and this is just a reminder of that i mean i would like for the government to take more steps in future to kind of mediate that problem and they can i mean that's the only way they can kind of redeem themselves in that regard because we can sit and talk about them wanting to how they close gyms and like starve their economy and stuff like that but if they can go and turn around and improve the health of the population through other schemes and stuff now, I think they make up for that. I mean, I think I can forgive them for closing the gyms during COVID if, as a whole, they manage to form some kind of scheme to benefit everyone's health in the long term. Okay, that's quite it. I think um, maybe we steer, steer off the topic and there'll be another pod about maybe the UK's role in if COVID was successful was, was was stopping COVID successful or a failure? And I think actually that'd be a really interesting point for later on. Um, I think that's a pretty, I'm going to be real. I think that's a pretty easy one to answer. No, they failed. I think, I think, <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think we say that. possible. They failed. All right. All right, Boris, you're Tell us how they failed, Boris. No, no, we got to be real. I think that's an easy one to answer. They flopped. If if we did like look look at what yeah was, I think we all unanimously agree that it, yeah it could have been done better they they yeah. could have de- dealt with this a lot better it's we could all be living life like what New Zealand right now everything nice but no um, we're not we're still I don't I, I don't think we could exactly be like New Zealand I think that's a bit of a bold statement but I think we could definitely have been better off than we were twenty first of June I'm just saying it's just going to be carnage <laughs> if that's 
But festivals are going to be open. I don't know how you're jumping from groups of six to sixty thousand people in festivals. Mm. Please. Please. <laughs> I, I think I think this is off uh, on our on our COVID pod coming out soon. But I think <laughs> back, <laughs> back to the other first. But no, I think those are really interesting points, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the people at home. Um, if you have any questions, people at home, then please send them into um, Saturday Night Waffle on Instagram, and we'll try and filter through them and ask some of them in the next pod. So coming up to the final question for the pod, um, my question is a bit kind of links all the all of the kind of the questions together, but is that overall in sport has COVID had a positive or negative effect for sport in the UK? And you can look at it any way you like. So, for example, personally, um, I think I think COVID has had a, a negative effect on sport because I think it's it's deprived people who enjoyed sport to be able to play. But I can see that some people would think the positive aspects are that actually people took sport for granted, and now actually having that removed from them now makes them appreciate it a lot more. Because a lot of people have said that they've realised a bunch of different things that they appreciate much more during COVID, right? And I think maybe sport was one of those things that actually will boom again, like it did in 2012 during the Olympics, when people realised actually it got taken away from them and now they don't want that ever to happen again. So actually they're going to really cherish all the moments they can get. Yep, buddy. I also think that with the potential of England hosting the 2021 Euros, um, I think, yeah, I think it will improve. I think the UK... We've taken sport for granted a little bit, like sport in general, for granted maybe, and maybe it will reinvigorate some people's passion for sport in general. Sorry, Adi, can I just? Oh, sorry. Did you think it was a positive or negative? Sorry. Oh, I think, I think it's a mixed bag. I can't really, conf- I can't really pick a side on it because I think yeah, a lot of people must have lost love for sport just purely because of inactivity. To get back into something is a lot harder than continuing, like. Rolling Stone gathering no moss and all that. Like it's quite hard to start a habit as opposed to continue a habit. So I think that long break will affect people. But I think on the counter side, it might have motivated some people to acknowledge that their lifestyle isn't healthy and maybe start sports or start going to the gym or start anything. Like I think that we have to look on the positive while acknowledging the negatives, if you get what I mean. No, I understand, but surely the people at home want to know. They don't want you to sit on the fence. They want you to say if you're positive or negative. What is surely that it can't? You can't be perfectly on the fence. That little bit of you has got to lean towards COVID was positive, negative for sport. If you could sum it up in one sentence, what would it be? Sport was mm, for COVID. Negative. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Kojo. I would also say negative, but I did want to throw the the, the odd thing in there that. A lot of people have actually picked up sports in this time period where you're seeing a lot more people on bikes, like a lot more people riding bikes these days. Um, Strangely enough, I've noticed a lot more people have picked up basketball. And yeah, those were those. That was the reason why I put my hand up. Yeah. Okay, And uh, Kai? Yeah, I'd just like to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dunk Kojo on the court when I get back to Brighton. Um, I've been practicing. Just watch me, yeah? Three-pointers, Steph Curry, they call me. Um, I would say it's a mixture. I'm on the fence as well, but I think it's a negative. But I think a lot of people have picked up a sport. I've picked up 
the passion for running, even though it's inconsistent, I still do enjoy running and stuff like that. I think the negative thing is I think a lot of sports have the social aspects and a lot of people do like playing sports with friends because of the social aspects. Like even kicking a ball in the park with your friends, the social aspects and playing basketball with your friends as a social aspect. And like with you, Rico, you probably miss playing um, badminton competitively and practice as well. So I think it is a negative impact in the sense of we are, we have to realise to, to an extent we're going to miss it and we need to build up that persona really. Okay, I think that's, I think it's interesting. I think you're correct. I do, I do miss the competitive side of it. And I think that my view is slightly skewed because for me, um, I enjoyed sport because of the competition. And the competition brought, having made some of my best friends are from, from badminton, I think competing and playing with a team is something that um, is where you build kind of those really good friendships from. So I think it'd be interesting from like a social point of view, um, as you three boys are much, I'd say, social players of your sports. I understand, Kai, that you could have made it apart from a knee injury. But, you know, I understand that that happened in your youth. Um, sorry, Koji. Oh, my bad. No, I just forgot to put the thing down. Don't worry. No worries. So I think that's the that's the end of episode number one. Um, I'd like to thank my three co-hosts. Is there anything you guys would like to say? I'd just like to say, come back to the next Saturday Night Wafflers podcast because got good topics. Check, man. Good topics. Check coming. us out on the gram Saturday Night Waffle. DM us for if you have any questions you'd like us to query. And thanks for listening. Boom, bow. Thank you very much, guys. And please remember, we are just four unqualified but opinionated people. <laughs>